Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's Pharrell on the bench, coast to coast, in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bad seat, broken in the bad, I'm with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad, that is bad taste, bad luck, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are in the Pharrell Palatial, right across the river and through the woods where Grandma lives in New York City, the Big Apple. People dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do that. All my friends that come around, flat to flat to party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, this town's a tatter. My brains was flattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake it. Ooh. All right, for all of you, on the grid, on sports grid, going rocks off style with our sports business and legal insider, obviously touting Harvard Burgundy, the Harvard Law Professor, the Sports Professor, the Sports Business Guru and Lawyer, Filthy Rich in uh, Palm Beach County in lovely Jupiter, Florida, where famous people and golfers get DUIs and go to massage parlors. Uh, Rick lives and is a member of PGA National, which I'm not allowed to golf at unless I'm with him because I'm not privileged enough to be a member there, nor do they want me to be a member there. Mr. Haro, how are you on this fine day? That's more truthful than I've heard you in a long time. And I've got a couple things to say. First, if I was filthy rich, which is not the case, I'm no longer filthy rich after the market. All right. So here's to a recovering U.S. economy. Let's all we're in this together. And it's great. And we're all going to move forward. I would say that, number one. Number two is I have an announcement to make, right? So this is not my normal beard. It used to be when I was teaching at Harvard because it was black and people would be impressed by it. The longer it gets, the grayer it gets. But I will make a commitment with you. We'll do it together that I will not shave until the coronavirus stuff is over effectively. And we see a light at the end of the tunnel. So even if I look like a gray Rasputin, it's staying. Wow, that's impressive. Let me ask you this question uh, about the market. So uh, I feel as though, uh, because I'm not that smart, I'm pretty clever though, that my life savings and my, you know, 401ks and annuities and all the things that I have uh, been working on for the last 20 years are going down the drain. Am I going to lose everything 
in this time of crises? Wow, what a question. So you get an answer from me, but you won't get the mumbo jumbo that you hear from everybody on every financial network. I'm assuming that unlike the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, that was kind of basic to the system. We overcommitted, too many mortgages, you couldn't recover. And people said it took four or five years to get out of that. It actually took three or four. This, whether there's a miracle drug found or whether, and you know, who knows, but whether just like China, by, by the way, the best thing that happened is uh, we're, we're now at a point that, you know, China seems to be reversing things and maybe that's good news. I don't know if that's good news or not, but the bottom line is that I think it is a quick recovery. I'm hoping it's a quick recovery. I am staking on the fact that it's a quick recovery and you lost some, but then you get it back. And so as long as you don't jump out of a building in the next few weeks until you recover, you're going to be okay. So uh, it won't like evaporate uh, down the drain before that uh, recovery happens. So in other words, once it gets figured out, everything will go back to normal. But will it already uh, be dissipated and gone, everyone's money? Well, but, you know, let, let's look at it logically. If people are investing in the stock market because they believe in the fundamentals of it, and then everybody shuts down like the airlines and unemployment and we grind to a halt, but the fundamentals are still sound. And then we have leadership that pumps billions of dollars into the economy to make up for it. I know that's overly simplistic, but it's optimistic. And I got to believe that. And I've got money tied in and I see my balance sheets. By the way, I got my statement from the bank. I don't know if this is the way people should live. I put it aside. I don't even want to see it because, you know, today's statement, tomorrow we may recover. And I don't want the bad news because I don't want to overreact. So, it's not that simple, but that's what I'm believing in. All right. So uh, there's several things uh, that I want to get into today because all that news uh, is very troubling uh, to me and very uh, sophisticated and above my pay grade. But I have, just so you know, uh, I have threatened my financial advisor with bodily harm uh, in the last, uh, let's just say, a couple of days and let him know where I stand and what's going to happen to him if I lose all my money. I said one other thing to him, that if I lose my money, I can promise you, you're going to lose your money and a lot more than money. And, uh, then, yeah. and yeah. then I think at one point, his wife did acknowledge that I'm better looking than him, which well, is a bad sign for him. They're two very uh, terrible sign for him. Two very important things, by the way, that are, that are really important to me. One is you're looking really good. And second, that jacket, that must have cost you a pretty penny. So that can serve as collateral to something. I, I just want you to know that I, when I got this gig, uh, 34C went out and bought me 10 new blazers, all of which I believe I could wear to dinner at PGA National if you took me to dinner because you took me to uh, you took me to lunch there once and uh, you said that I had uh, too many trips to the ice cream uh, like the the section of the buffet where the ice cream was the soft serve and yeah, you right. said you asked me at one point how many trips are you going to make to the soft serve line uh, in that ridiculous looking Miami Canes shirt that I was wearing at the time. Yeah, and now I'm actually dressed like you with a nice blazer on. I look a little bit like, uh, you know, Hickey Freeman, uh, Jack Nicholas. I think I have a better repertoire with my clothing tastes. Well, I think so, too. And frankly, you do look really good. I don't want to get a comparison about who looks better because it's obvious. 
but it's good taste not to wear a University of Miami shirt now for reasons unrelated to PGA National or otherwise. Their reason is they suck. Do you, Do you believe that uh, th that Ed Reed will, in some capacity or another, overtake Manny Diaz and become the next head coach of the Miami Hurricane football program? Because now that he's an ambassador, that's a nice way of saying, I'm going to take your job if we can't score again against the likes of Louisiana Tech. Yeah, well, he may say that, and he may have some power because the AD hired him and everybody embraces him with open arms, including Manny Diaz, because he had no choice. And so I think Ed Reed's going to be great for the program because all of the brothers and everybody else with tradition are going to give the guy a chance. Uh, and I'm sure in a recruit's home, they understand that that Manny Diaz is ultimately responsible to him and there can be a quick change. So I think it's a good move. I, I really do. I think uh, it'll get all of us who like the program kind of excited about it again, because, look, you, you and I don't want to go over the middle if Ed Reed is patrolling, even if the guy's, what, about 44 years old right now? Right. So let me ask you this question. Uh, and I do want to ask about Miami, but I have a, a question offshore. And then I want to get back to the Canes. Are people there actually going out on, like, yachts and sailboats and living on the water as opposed to being uh, landbound and around uh, the virus? Are there people that have gone on their boats and gone out to sea and, and are living as if they're island hopping in the Caribbean? Because that, to me, is now becoming what I would deem a decent idea right about now. Well, I do know this. So this is my office on the first floor. I got a second floor office. And over there is the Loxahatchee River. You got Joe Namath's house over there. You got Tiger Woods way over here. I'm not going to drop names, but those are a couple pretty good ones. I see some big yachts just sitting around. And, and maybe what I need to do is get a bullhorn after this is over and ask them why they're there. And aren't they kind of ready to make some money like normal folks? Or are they ready to hang out on a yacht? And next time I'm on, I will dutifully report what the women tell me. How's that? So, uh, you know, uh, I lived on a yacht for 30 days in uh, Bora Bora in the French Polynesian Islands, like Rea Tea Papiette Marea. And I yeah, actually... That was a prison ship. Was <laughs> well, well, it was a prison uh, ship at the end of the day with the people that I was on there with that I wanted to kill and dismember. But I did not do that, although I thought about it, which is troubling. And then, um, you know, each person had a, a role, a job on the on the boat every day. Like you'd be right. a, a part of the uh, galley. You'd have to cook. You'd have to do dishes. You'd have to do the drinks. What was you, your job? Well, like, you know, I had every job on the boat. I mean, some days you were the tack guy. You did the sail. Some days you did the garbage. Some day you did the refuse, like the, uh, you know, people's, you know, uh, let's say outer uh, extremities. You have to take that to the shore. Uh, you had to do all kinds of uh, dirty jobs on the boat, but I did it and I lived on a boat. I actually think that if you were with a few people, like a limited amount of people on a boat, let's say two or three people, four maximum, like two couples, do you think you'd be safer on that boat um, as opposed to being, uh, you know, in, let's say, where I am in, in northern New Jersey or in New York City, certainly the worst place to be, or would you rather be uh, on a boat? 
Well, it's an interesting perspective, and I guess I reported on, on all of this stuff. So, you know, I was in Greensboro at the ACC tournament, and that was canceled uh, basically a day after I went to the first couple of games. Right. Uh, and then I went up to Washington. I was going to go to the SEC tournament um, uh, eventually in Nashville, but, but on and on. I was in Hoboken. And so uh, that was uh, interesting that night. And I was with a lot of people in Hoboken. So, like, if I'm in Jersey, and I'm anybody anywhere safer than being around a lot of people in Jersey. I will say that. All right, so let's go back to the Miami Canes for a second, uh, real quick. And then I got a lot of things I want to do with you. First of all, do you believe that Manny Diaz is in over his head and that he would have been better off at Temple as a coach, head coach for the first time, as opposed to being, frankly, gifted the Canes program uh, by people that were in a uh, difficult uh, circumstance and made a rush decision uh, when Mark Rick left the program, that they overreacted quickly? Or do you believe that just because he was a good defensive guy uh, on the staff and had had success there coaching as an assistant, uh, that he was uh, ready for that job. Do you believe that he is actually uh, a good enough coach to run the Miami Canes into a winner again? Because I thought, um, like many first-year coaches, it was disastrous. Yeah, well, it depends on your perspective, obviously. Maybe we ought to get Blake James on, uh, the athletic director of the University of Miami, one day, and we'll do an interview, and we'll talk to him together. He did a segment for me on Super Bowl Monday on the 50 years of the sports business with my 50-year uh, sport business handbook, and we talked a little bit about it. He's very, very happy of getting it read there. The issue was what would have happened if he didn't go to uh, University of Miami after Temple, and of course, Mark Rick at the last minute said, sorry, I'm not going to uh, stay with you, and then he was, he kind of stopped the bleeding, and the question is, was he the right guy to stop the bleeding? Yeah, for a couple of games, and maybe he's rewarded some kind of an interim. Does he grow into being a head coach that's a championship caliber head coach? Who knows? You know, not right now. Maybe Ed Reed helps him, but Ed Reed's not a you know head coach type either. Just if the University of Miami recruits fast kids, strong kids, big kids, tough kids, kids that only have a you know legitimate regard for the rules, but not totally, they'll be okay. So it's recruiting. So when. Um... Famous Jameis Winston was at um, Florida State, right. and then he ended up uh, being drafted by the Buccaneers and then playing in Tampa and, and literally smashing uh, interception records. Yeah. Uh, like one of the first guys, if not the first, to go 30-30, 30 TDs, 30 picks. Uh, no one's ever done that. That's a remarkable thing to hang in your locker. But uh, do you believe that because they obviously uh, moved on and they got Tom Brady of all things, nothing like being replaced by Tom Brady uh, for famous Jameis. He'll have that on jeopardy for the rest of his life. But do you believe that he could actually end up in Jacksonville where he's close to Tallahassee, still has his Florida roots? Um, you know, here's a guy that did really well in Tallahassee and did not do well, uh, for the most part, in Tampa. I mean, he did throw for 5,000 yards and 30 TDs. No one can take that away from him. He's got an arm. He's got a cannon. 
But obviously, he's, uh, how should I put it, stupid? Uh, I think that he's a stupid quarterback. And do you think he'll ever evolve out of that stupidity and be a good quarterback? And do you think Jacksonville would want him? Well, first of all, he has no leverage right now. So whether he wants to be close to his home in Tallahassee or not, doesn't matter. It's whether the Jaguars feel like it's a legitimate investment. You know, when you look at the NFL year relative to coronavirus, and some people are saying, why didn't we just postpone all of the free agency stuff? Because we shouldn't have signed guaranteed contracts with all this uncertainty. Disagree. If the NFL is going to play, it's going to be played based on rights fees. And rights fees are huge. And look at the excitement that the NFL is doing right now. Because basically, we're starved. We want anything. And this is a great conversation to have. And people want their football. We now have leagues. And we'll talk about it later. I know we have leagues like MLS who are saying, hey, how about uh, we're going to come back on May 10? Uh, we may not. But at least people are looking at coming back eventually. And the NFL is the only major sport that has not been directly affected by the interruption schedule, just because this is happening over the spring. So they get the advantage of excitement. Now, look at the quarterback shifts. Who'd have thought that the Colts would have had a new quarterback? The Bears would have somebody competing against Trubisky. Um, what about the Chargers? You know, what about? the Buccaneers, everybody with all these musical chairs, Dolphins are thinking about their people, the draft. The NFL is stronger than ever. Jameis Winston, no matter what, will be a bit player. He is not a top 10 quarterback in my estimation. And wherever he goes, people will figure that out. It's going to be interesting to see because uh, some people might uh, deem that he's uh, better uh, than Minshew, uh, certainly has more results than uh, Minshew. I want to get into all of these uh, topics with you and quarterbacks and things of this nature. We're going to do that uh, momentarily. I do want to say, like, you know, a lot of them have moved. Foles has moved to Chicago. I think he's better than uh, Mitchell Trubisky. We'll get into that. Uh, Tyrod Taylor looks like the Chargers are going to go with him. I think that's going to end up being a disaster. I thought Tyrod Taylor had his moments in Buffalo, but that's what he's going to have in uh, Los Angeles. Moments only. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, situation with uh, Tom Brady, why he chose uh, to go where he did in Tampa instead of Los Angeles, all of this, uh, and then certainly uh, what's going to happen in New England and uh, who's left besides uh, famous Jameis. Coming up here, uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Rick Harrow, the sports business professor and legal insider on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. 
we can laugh, man. We we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pharrell on Coast to Coast. Rick Harrow is with us, and uh, he's a sports business and legal insider from Harvard on Coast to Coast on Sports Grid. And uh, Rick, we were talking about uh, all these uh, quarterback changes and, you know, uh, guys that are still out there, uh, like Andy Dalton and, you know, uh, Nick Foles ended up going in a trade uh, to Chicago. And remember, they gave him all kinds of money down in Jacksonville, yeah. and he, he really never played there. But here's a guy that won the Super Bowl and carried the Eagles on his back for, what, a couple months straight? And I frankly think that that earns respect in some capacity or another in my book, uh, as opposed to that hack, Trubisky, who has been... Uh, and remember, when they won all those games and they lost in the playoffs because of their kicker hitting the crossbar and the upright, doink, doink, that was because of their defense, that team. That defense was like the 85 Bears defense that won them a Super Bowl. It certainly wasn't because of Jim McMahon. It was because of uh, the Fridge, Walter Payton, and, and that defense was number one in that, uh, and, and number three being in that order going backwards. So is this the same... Uh, situation i believe that they have uh, a quarterback now that has got it done as opposed to a quarterback that hasn't been getting it done do you believe that the deal that they just made for that guy that got like 90 million in jacksonville roughly uh is better than what they have and that that'll be a legitimate quarterback competition in the windy city legitimate quarterback competition yes get the defense moving in the right direction without carping about the offense. Yeah, I'm not a Trubisky apologist, but let's remember who brought them down against the Eagles in that last minute of that playoff game. And if double doink Parkey didn't double doink, you know, they'd have made it to the next round of the playoffs and who knew that doesn't mean he's the savior. It just means that that was probably a moment that was one of his highlights. Then he deteriorated significantly last year. And so it'll be, at best, a legitimate quarterback competition. Uh, the other alternative is just to give the job to Foles and say, run with it. I don't think that'll happen, but it is possible. So when uh, Tom Brady went to Tampa and all of the uh, ducks lined up, the Super Bowl 55 is in Tampa. Bruce Arians is a great quarterback coach with a history of success with several big names. You name it. Uh, the lineage of guys that have uh, played under this guy is phenomenal. He's got quite a uh, resume with quarterbacks. And then the GM, Light, uh, Lick, whatever his name is, had been, he had been with him in uh, Foxborough when he was drafted and then was with him again because the guy had two tours of duty with the Patriots in, in uh, Foxborough. And then is uh, now in Tampa. So obviously when he was talking about work, you know, we have definitely spoken with Tom. We knew that he was lying because he had not only spoken with Tom, he had cut a deal with Tom uh, between the bedsheets 
not literally, but uh, he had a deal in place. That guy went to bed that night knowing he had Tom Brady, and he was lying to the media like, yeah, we've talked to him, but we have no idea what he's going to do, which was one of the great lies ever. So we know that those two were in cahoots. But uh, and, and he's got, you know, Evans, Godwin, uh, Howard. He's got a, a angry defense, JPP. They were legitimately the last nine weeks of the year, the best team in the NFL defensively, numbers-wise. But in reality, you're a sports business expert. You, by far, set the standard in the industry. No one is bigger than you about money and sports and business. Who in their right mind would go to Tampa, Florida over Los Angeles if you are interested in a career, which he can do anything he wants, so he can fly back to New York easily in three hours and be in his uh, fat pad and penthouse in, in Manhattan, which is where he's going to live. And then he's going to have a place down in, in uh, the Gulf Coast in, in Tampa, obviously, in a very rich area of Tampa, obviously. But, but in reality, my point is this. Who in their right mind would do that over Los Angeles when he's got a production company in Los Angeles? Now, I understand flying six hours isn't fun. I've done it 5 million times. You've done it 25 million times. You fly more than anyone I know. But that's a pain in the ass. Why in God's name? Like, I mean, let's face facts. Uh, LeBron went out there. Compare it to LeBron. Why Tom Brady uh, didn't take the job of being the face of the Chargers and going to Los Angeles, new SoFi, multi-billion dollar stadium, filthy money out there, red carpet, Hollywood, Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive, the weather. He's a California guy. Who in their right mind would choose Tampa, Florida over Los Angeles? I lived in L.A. for 10 years. I would, And I lived in Tampa. I lived in Siesta Key, which I loved. Okay. Love it. Siesta Key ain't Tampa. And uh, let me tell you, Siesta Key is, is awesome. And Tampa is, okay, uh, I could leave here after three days. Like, you go to the Super Bowl there, you're like, this is fun. I got to get the hell out of here. There's too many strip clubs. Let's face facts. In Los Angeles, you never want to leave. Why would someone, be, you know, based on business decisions, marketing, sports dollars, Hollywood, choose that place over Los Angeles? Honest to God. SoFi is an amazing facility. We took a tour of it. We're going to have another event there. We originally scheduled it in June or July. Taylor Swift starts the facility off with a concert now slated for July. Everything may be moved back, but who knows? It's only a month or two anyway. And frankly, if it was the other L.A. team, it would have been great for him. It's a football decision, I think. If it's a football decision, then does that team have enough receivers, have enough of an offensive line, have enough of a defense. If we're the Rams, it would be another story. Goff is situated. They're not going to blow him out, but it's the Chargers. And so I'm not sure it's the right decision, and it is a personal family decision. But I do know this, that given flights on private aircraft, it's a three-hour extra flight in the air to tend to his production company and spend weekends in Tampa. You know, he'll have a place there. NFL is a lot different than baseball or basketball. With basketball, like LeBron, you got to make a major commitment to a city, and you're there for 41 plus 41. With the NFL, I know owners, they do it all the time. I would say uh, 20, maybe, 15, 20 of the owners live in other cities and go into the games and then go back. And so it is not a live in Tampa. It is a play in Tampa for a couple of years tend to his production company. And just like I said, if it was the Chargers, it'd be a different story. And in the Rams, a much different story. 
So, uh, you know, with the Lakers and Clippers, a lot of people think they're headed toward a showdown in the Western Finals if the NBA uh, resumes and that they would be on a collision course. The Dodgers have won repeated uh, National League West division titles and gone to multiple World Series and were shafted out of a World Series ring by the cheating Astros. Uh, a new $5 billion stadium opening allegedly uh, this summer. Los Angeles uh, would be the epicenter of the sports universe. But instead, um, because of COVID-19, the $375 million Stables Arena is dark. Uh, the adjoining $2.5 billion LA Live Complex, which uh, you and I both been to multiple times, that draws uh, large crowds. I was there recently for the Fury Wilder 1 yeah. fight right. uh, last December in, in 18. Uh, this is unbelievable. Four major sports leagues shut down indefinitely. What is going on? Uh, the LA Times reminds us that in the grand economic pie, the sports industry represents a very small slice. In Los Angeles County alone, the workforce totals $5 million, according to the Economic Development Corporation. Uh, tell me about the LA sports story now from a um, sports business perspective and, and the world that we care about so much. Because let's face facts, the, the eye of the sports world is on Los Angeles every single night that LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis play basketball. I found it ironic. We had a big event that HSBC sponsored. They're doing a, a monthly 50-year uh, sports business top moments in each city each month tour with me. We did one in Miami. We did one in L.A. around the Rugby Sevens. We're supposed to do one in Washington next. We're going to do them. It's just we're going to delay them like everything else is. And L.A. was all about them being the epicenter of the universe, not only Rugby Sevens, but the Olympic folks, the L.A. Sports Commission, 40,000 employees of that five million, not a big number, but a big enough number have their personal commitments tied to sports. You know, two and a half billion dollar L.A. Live, the Staples Center, the new arena they want to build in Inglewood that they may get done with Steve Ballmer, obviously SoFi Stadium. But think of the big picture. Hard to do that right now. The good thing about this whole virus thing. Let's make sure we understand the difference between postponement and cancellation. Cancellation of the NCAA tournament, pretty clear. You can't get them back. You can't restore the eligibility. The conference tournament's over. March Madness over. Not playing it. All of these other events, like the Ryder Cup, postponed after September 11th. A lot of other events postponed. If We'll get into this. But if the Olympics are postponed for a year, if other events in L.A. are postponed for a while, They'll get it back. They're not going to get as much, but they're not going to lose it all. So it is a big impact. But let's understand the difference between wiping all the events out and postponing them now. For the first time, we have people either because they want to maneuver the public or because they really feel it. Look at some of these announcements about the leagues thinking about re returning at a certain time. We didn't have those activities or thoughts a couple of weeks ago. And and I know it's not, it's all fluid, but you can see some positive steps. By the way, let me tell you what the positive about the NCAA. Nobody asked me, but here it is. The lack of productivity. Remember, there's this one study that the this company called Gallagher Great Christmas always done. And they talk about the lack of productivity because those first two days, the Thursday and Friday of March Madness, right. they talk about an $8.3 billion impact because people are playing with their computers at work 
and looking at that Thursday and Friday March Madness game, right. all 32 of them. Hey, none of that this year. Productivity. People are working from home. They're not distracted. So that's a positive. Look, I had to dig really, really deep, but that's the only positive thing I can come up with. All right. So uh, the the concert world, like uh, the Stones, Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, all the massive stadium tours set for 2020. Um, this is going to be gigantic. Uh, it's just not going to happen. The promoters, LA Times notes that uh, 22 billion in ticket revenue sold globally for live music events in 2019. Live Nation promoted about 60% of those shows, and AG handled roughly 30%, and the other 10 were handled by indie promotion firms. What has happened? Uh, we know that they've canceled uh, Coachella, South by Southwest. Um, I mean, it's a disaster. Yeah, total disaster. But the big guys, like we said, Taylor Swift, the big ones, Stones, they'll survive. They got a lot of capital. They don't have to go to these cities and spend all of the capital. They, they, you know, listen, they make money at these concerts. Big deal, obviously, 22 billion tickets. But it's also big overhead. And if they don't go and set up those monster stages, they don't spend those dollars. Good thing for the companies, not good thing for the employees because they're not working. And so there's always a silver lining. It's not chasing them out of business. The thing we've got to worry about are those small independent promoters like minor league sports, like individual athletes who are right on the edge. We all got to worry about them because those are the ones that we be we need to be very careful. They may not survive. Rick, uh, you had mentioned uh, Steve Ballmer, and he has tried to at least express interest in buying the old forum in Inglewood. Explain to people what the SoFi Stadium is going to mean to Inglewood and what were uh, his plans uh, in terms of what's he going to do with that arena? And is he just going to build a brand new one right there? Well, that's the deal. So when the forum, which remember when we landed at LAX on the right side of the plane, right. forum. now, uh, have you seen the new SoFi yet? When you Have you been in LA recently? I have not. I've seen the, I've seen it being built. That's all. Yeah. Well, well, it's unbelievable. Between that and when you've been in Vegas and you see the Allegiant Stadium, right. those are going to be amazing. We're going to have 30% of all of the big events there after this blows over forever. Super Bowl, Final Fours, everything else. Yet, they also want an arena there because there's a lot of stuff there. They keep the forum. The problem with Englewood is they made a commitment from MSG, Madison Square Garden Company. They bought the forum, said, we're going to promote in there. We're a lost leader. The reason why they did it was they did a non-compete to keep other people like Steve Ballmer out. Steve Ballmer says, basically, and only he can do it, I don't, I really, really want to build that arena. I'm going to enter into negotiations with MSG company. I may buy their interest. That removes the non-compete. I may end up then doing my arena in Englewood. It's going to be a billion, four, billion, five. Why can I do it? Because I can. And Gillian Zucker, the president of the Clippers and everybody else, sees as an opportunity to take the Clippers brand away from Staples, they're doing okay, but think of what the Clippers would be able to do if they had an entirely new arena in Englewood and generate excitement with Doc Rivers and everybody else, Kawhi. So that's the impediment that Steve Ballmer removed to start the process. Rick, I have under two minutes respectfully. Uh, which stadium or in concert with one another, the Vegas Allegiant or the SoFi, they're both going to get Super Bowls. They're both going to get Final Fours. 
But in your view, in about 90 seconds, respectfully, do you uh, anticipate which one will do better at the end of the road, like over, let's say, the next 10, 15 years? There's a lot more expectation for SoFi. It's $5 billion plus the development. NFL Network Headquarters, Hall of Fame West, a, 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 hell, a hell of a lot. I was trying to use the number of residential, commercial, retail, new transportation area, renovating and revitalizing city of Inglewood. Uh, Super Bowls, Final Fours, concerts, conventions shift to Allegiant. Allegiant's going to do exactly the same kind of stuff for Vegas. Vegas doesn't need as much. They're a great party town. They're a great event town, spending a lot more public money from convention dollars as well. They're both going to do tremendous things. What about for the leagues? What about for Final Fours? They're going to have major events. They're probably staggered. You're not going to have L.A. one year and Vegas the next. They'll go east and they'll come back. But we have two new major event venues for an extended period of time starting this next year when those facilities open. It is really, really good for the industry. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, fantastic. And I think the, the big picture is they're both going to be phenomenal money makers. But I wonder, because I saw the excitement wane in Atlanta when they had a new NHL team, and then 10 years later they were gone. So we'll come back and talk about if uh, there'll be a waning period when the fascination wears off what'll happen to those stadiums. Coming up, we're talking to Rick Haro, our sports business and legal insider on SportsGrid, coast to coast with Pharrell. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, Pharrell, Coast to Coast with Rick Harlow, our sports business and legal insider. Uh, we're talking about everything uh, going on in sports and with the coronavirus and everything that's happening. So we're talking about Los Angeles. We're talking about, uh, you know, the Rams, Chargers. Chargers played in that joke boxing arena uh, with 30,000 fans. And, and literally, like, if the Steelers or the Packers went in there, their fans would overtake the place. You couldn't even see Powder Blue or a Charger fan within miles. Right. And now they're moving into this Shangri-La with uh, the Rams, who own Los Angeles at this point. I mean, let's face facts, in terms of football. And then... Um, you know, in, in Vegas, same thing. New uh, Allegiant Raiders are going to be the hot ticket, just like the Golden Knights were and still are. That waning period has not happened yet for the Vegas Golden Knights. First year, they go to the Stanley Cup Finals. 
people are still sold out, packed in every night. It's like a absolute mob scene, that T-Mobile Arena. It is unbelievable, like no other NHL experience at all. But you know as well as I do. I was in Atlanta in 99 when they opened up Phillips, and they had a hockey team. Ten years later, they were in Ferelepeg. They were gone. They were broke. And there is a period of adjustment when things don't go well. There is a waning period. There is a window, I believe, that closes in time. What kind of future do you believe uh, these stadiums have in terms of that window closing? Like in Los Angeles, it sounds like it's automatic that there's going to be everything there. People living there, shopping, malls, movie theaters, everything else. The one in Vegas, I don't know if they're claiming that they're doing all that there because I've seen the stadium. It's just a monstrosity on the side of the 15 highway. And all I want to know is at what point when people realize the Raiders suck, are they going to stop going? And it's going to be this gigantic stadium that's going to end up all those people in Las Vegas, all those investors, will they end up in the long run, let's say 10, 15 years, all wanting to burn that place down and, and feeling like they got uh, shafted and screwed? Well, I got two issues for that one. On the L.A. one, you're absolutely right. There will be no shortage of events that will carry that stadium to success. So let's remember, ultimately, eight years from now, the reason why that stadium got its political push was the 2028 Olympics. So we have a whole series of events that are going to happen, maybe one and two Super Bowls before that, certainly one, the Final Fours, and all of that, as you said, the NFL Network, the Hall of Fame, things that cause people to go to that stadium, regardless of whether the Rams or the Chargers suck. And let's say that you don't need both teams to be in the Super Bowl, but you ought to have one of them that's pretty good. And who knows what's going to happen with the Chargers, but the Rams look like they're going to be pretty good for a while. On the Vegas situation, the Raiders don't even have to be great. Remember, it's 10 Sundays a year. Now it's going to be 11 every other year because of Game 17. And the bottom line of all of that is that this is a casino entertainment-driven community. So there will be, like you said, with the Packer fans in Carson, there's going to be a whole lot of that kind of thing going on in Vegas. And the economic impact in Vegas is not just following the Raiders, but let's assume you have the Green Bay fans that have, you know, uh, pallid skin and they come down and they get the suntan and, you know, they're lobsters by the end of five days. But what they're doing is they're going to the games, but they're going to concerts and they're gambling. So the economic impact in Vegas is going to be pretty significant. The nights you hope are going to be great. Gary Bettman ran it the way they should have. When Atlanta had its second shot at the NHL, you know you were calling the games every day. Nobody knew for sure whether Atlanta was an NHL team or a city, right? I mean, you knew that there was still a risk. And you had to have a successful team to get the people in. They were successful for a little while, weren't for most of the time. That's why they went to Ferelepeg. Is that correct? We That's now right. called it Ferelepeg. That's right. Very good, man. I, by the way, so yeah, you're very proud of that. You're renaming a city after your image. I'm proud of you, son. So uh, the NHL will delay the naming of the Seattle franchise due to the virus as well. That has uh, become news. But I think they're probably pretty excited about having a hockey team in Seattle. I'm sure they were uh, excited to have an NBA team in Seattle until it left. Well, but Microsoft doesn't leave. Starbucks doesn't leave. Seattle is a tremendous corporate market. And after the Sonics left to become the Thunder, there was really a race 
who was the first team back in. They may have two winter sports teams in, but the the NHL team uh, will not uh, be hurt by being the first one in for two or three years. Uh, Tim Lewicki, Peter Luco, the guys from Oakview Group that are taking the risk around that building, renovating the building, getting some public money for it. That's the right answer. We all remember from the Seattle Totems and Portland and Vancouver, there was a tremendous rivalry in the old WHA, WHL between Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. That's not going to change. And I think they're very happy about being the first one in. And the Sonics, happy in Oklahoma City. Maybe there's room for a second franchise. Seattle with four and, and uh, major league franchises plus the Sounders. We'll have to see if that all works. Uh, and by the way, speaking of nicknames, do you think that uh, Corona is cutting back its marketing campaign with Tony Romo and otherwise? What do you think? No, because Tony Romo just got paid tons of money to stay at CBS, right. and now he's worth even more money. So I'd be asking for uh, a piece of Corona as right. opposed to the cases of beer that they send him every month to his neighbors and friends. Let me ask you this question. Will the Tokyo games be canceled? No. Um, but they may be postponed. So, and, and I'm not going to guess because I'm assuming the coronavirus does one of these leveling off. You know, we're hearing stuff now we never would have heard before about leveling the curve. Uh, when you were in school, leveling the curve meant you wanted C's or D's because those were better than you used to get. So this is now a different leveling the curve, pal. If leveling the curve works the way it should, then we may have a shot at having the Tokyo Games this year. If I'm faced with a decision and I'm the IOC and I have Tokyo saying, if we wait a little while, we know we can have fans at every event. If NBC is pushing, I'm not saying they are yet, but let's project ahead for a couple of months. And NBC says, I want to have the event because everybody is going stir crazy. And look, wrestling and judo and all that stuff, people don't go to the, uh, those at the Olympics anyway. So let's have them on TV right now. That, that'll be a very, very interesting issue. Does the IOC say, yeah, let's have it in July without fans or let's have it next year as a regular Olympics, but it will not be canceled. You had some numbers about the uh, Japanese GDP would drop $75 billion and that the Japanese corporate revenues uh, for 2020 would uh, fall 24.5%. Uh, that sounds pretty staggering to me. And that's a lot of leverage when the Japanese government through the IOC says, look, we need to have it and we need to have it with fans and we need to have it this year. That's the starting point. Then the back off point is have it this year without fans, then have it next year. But Thomas Bach is scheduled and intensely committed to trying as hard as he can to begin the games on July 24. Uh, whether it happens is beyond his control as well. Rick, how did you feel about the um, the Players Association ratifying the CBA with the NFL and your good friend, Roger Goodell? I will tell you this. The 18% of the players that didn't vote, they better not complain about a darn thing, right? In the, between now and 2030, when the deal expires, if we hear one of those 18% that didn't vote, complain about anything, like his jockstrap needs cleaning more. I don't want to hear any of that. So this is a democracy, right? It passed 
51.5% to 48.5%. I think most of the players believe that an industry that's 16 or $17 billion, where the split is the same, but the revenues are increased because you have one more playoff week and you have one more regular season game, details to be worked out. It's could have been better, could have been great, could have more discipline, could have more other stuff. Clearly benefits for retired players, which is really important. Still not sure where they're getting at, but the core gets done at a time where the country really needs it. I personally don't want to start thinking after coronavirus about the NFL going on strike. And luckily that's not happening. What about the NBA commissioner arguing with um, the mayor of New York City and others that uh, say that the players that have been getting tested for the virus are getting it because they're uh, filthy rich and have privilege and the people that are actually sick in this world are unable to get the tests. Uh, How can he uh, even uh, have a leg to stand on in that argument uh, to defend uh, all of these players getting tested so readily? Well, you know, you don't. I would say, and I know this is not... um, you know, libertarian perspective and the right answer. Uh, Let's get on to bigger things, meaning I could make the argument pretty clearly that if Kevin Durant and other people have runny noses, I really do want to check to see if they have the coronavirus. A, because let's remember when the test was being done, we're still thinking about getting back or not playing. And Rudy Gobert may go down as one of the most important people in the history of sports, whether he wants to or not because he was the one whose positive test triggered all of these postponements slash cancellation. If I'm going to be a poster child, I mean, why did Tom Hanks get a test? I mean, that's not fair. He's a celebrity. So these are people that are held to a different standard because they're role models and can help us flatten the curve. So if I have four more tests and I can give them to four players or 12 players or 20 players, and it helps spread the word, then I'll defend it. So uh, let's talk about more cancellations, postponements, if you will, of major sporting events. The PGA Championship at Harding Park in San Francisco City. In the way, I have uh, had this conversation with others. Do you believe that Harding Park is a better golf course than Olympic? Uh, no, but it's, uh, it's pretty good as a public course. And they both have you know, access to it. Uh, the holes are smaller, but no, they're the same size. You know, we, uh, you and I, by the way, I know this is next time we play based on how you putt, we need to go to those courses that, you know, Nicholas with the holes where the, where the holes are like that big. Like the big, uh, like the big Tony Romo hole in the commercial yeah. where he makes the putt in like an 80 foot cup. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You and I need that because you don't like disappointment. So they've canceled the, the, they basically postponed the Masters and now the PGA Championship. I mean, I'm sure the British Open's right on the uh, doorstep waiting to knock and come in. Well, yeah. And again, with the Masters, it's interesting. I've had so many people in the last few days try to figure out what the right order should be to get back. I'm not even concerned about that. You know, if the Masters is played on Christmas Day with frozen greens, What a great treat if it's no crowds, but people are looking forward to the Masters. My point is, I don't really care at this point when these events come back. I'm just excited about people starting to think about coming back, coming back, coming back. Still too early to have a definite date. But as the rhetoric 
starts, about when we can start getting out of this whole stir crazy time, it's all great, whether it's golf, tennis, or any other, anything else. What about the uh, Kentucky Derby being moved to the first Saturday in September? That means they're going to move the Preakness. They're going to move the Belmont. It's going to hurt the Travers. It's going to uh, change everything at Monmouth in New Jersey. And it's going to change, I would uh, guess, the spa at Saratoga. Uh, are you shocked at those changes and that uh, horse racing, people are still racing horses? No. But why do you think that was done? Well, guess who covers the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown? All right. So, you know, NBC, that first Saturday of September, that is a terrible college football day. Those are the pigeon days. Those are the games usually. There's one or two games, right? But that's when all of the teams play their respective pigeons to get one win before they start the regular season. There are some really bad decisions where, like, Miami played Florida last year and lost quickly, and that hurt their season. But the bottom line is that is a day that is ready for the taking. And so why not schedule it again and have people say, ah, great, why not? So speaking of NBC, uh, respectfully, I have about uh, two minutes. Um, is this over? I'm really, this is like, it's just, it, it's, just it's, slow it's, down, it's, slow down. Listen, you're not running, you're not running this end. Okay. So from this end, from this end, that we're just chewing away at the time. I need you to answer the question about Roland Garros and uh, your boy Rafa Nadell going for another French Open uh, championship. Yes. Well, a lot of people are upset that, you know, the French are arrogant about behaving differently. You know, if, I, if I'm the French Open, given all the stuff that's happened in France, I'd have postponed until further notice and not even worry about it. France, Germany, Italy, England, we're in bad shape, but not as bad shape as, as them. And so not postponing and not saying we're not even going to talk about a redate, probably arrogant, probably a bad thing. But I, I can't be the judge of that. On the other side of it is, People want hope. And even if we have a kind of 15 day, let's all stay away from each other for 15 days. That's the right answer. And 14 days from now, we say, I didn't mean 15. I mean, 30. At least people are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. So, again, uh, you know, Rafa, uh, you're important, but you're not the most important guy on the planet. Uh, respectfully, 90 seconds, Rick. How do you think baseball uh, will do uh, when it comes back? with the cheating scandal and then uh, the virus? Well, if I'm the Astros, I wear armor. I start wearing armor now, and I wear it through the end of the season. I was in Palm Beach with the Astros and the Nationals playing on a regular basis, and all they did was think about hitting each other, and they're not safe. I think it's a black mark on baseball, and I think because of that, they got to take some steps to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Well, Rick, that was fabulous. Are you all right there? I'm, now I'm concerned about you need to hydrate more, and I'm concerned with the coughing and the sneezing. I'm going to have to send uh, one of those uh, Kevin Durant tests down to your house. I'm going in the hot tub right after this. That'll help me. Only the rich and privileged get their hands on the test, like Mr. Harrow with his Santa Claus Harvard beard that he's rocking. Uh, Rick, great job today on uh, Coast to Coast. Thank you for joining us. What we'll do is we'll continue to check in with you about uh, the money of sports and how things evolve with the virus. I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you very much. We'll talk again real soon. All right, man. All right, there he is, Rick Harrow, esteemed colleague, wearing the crimson 
of Harvard today and buttoning all the way to the top and refusing to shave. This has been Coast to Coast with Pharrell. Don't forget, get on the grid, baby. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.